Thank you, Audrey. Let's, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I just want to uh, reiterate those words that we just sang. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, literally today at 11, apparently, we remain steadfast in your word. We read the words from the King, King Jesus today we're hearing from. And I pray that the gospel would, would, would reign true in people's lives, that, that new faith would develop as a result of your words, Father, and, and as a result of your son's death on the cross. We pray that that would happen um, as we gather here together this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Hey, welcome to Outward. Thank you for being here for one last hurrah at the barn. We're moving, as you uh, probably know or probably have heard. Next week, we're going to be in Salem, meeting all together with the other location. And then uh, the the week after that, we're going to be at Gallon House Farms, which will be exciting to be indoors and maybe not have wind and rain coming in on us. So thank you for being here. Let me just get started because... Actually, we do have a wind advisory that starts at 11 a.m., so let's, let's get after it <laughs> so we can get this done and get out of here before we get blown around too much. So I, uh, so I bought a stock the other day. Okay, If you guys don't know, I'm a financial advisor during the week, and I do that from time to time, buy stocks for, for clients and things. And so I bought one the other day, a company you might know of company that you may be familiar with. It's an Oregon company down uh, in Grants Pass, Dutch Bros. So I I bought that. They went public. Uh, I don't know if you know their story. It's pretty cool. It's Travis and Dane Borsma in the 90s started a coffee company or started a coffee cart, excuse me, and it's grown exponentially. They're they're crushing it. Dane passed away, unfortunately, a, a few years ago, but Travis is still kicking butt and if you've ever driven by a Dutch Bros at any time of day in any location, what do you see? A line of cars around the block. They're, they're doing awesome. Okay, so anyway, so I bought this stock, and I pay, not that you guys care, but I'm going to try to make a point here in a second, but it's not an investing lesson, but it kind of is. This is the parable of the investment. So I bought the stock for 37 bucks, I don't know, a week or a month ago, six weeks ago, and now it's at 68. Unbelievable. Occasionally, when I buy stocks, they go up. Isn't that nice? It's like an 80% or whatever gain. I didn't, do the, I didn't do the exact math, but I'm pretty excited about that. I'm feeling pretty good about that. That is nothing compared to the gain of the guy in the parable that we're going we're gonna to read about. The, the, the faithful servant, one of the faithful servants, hits a home run in his investing. A 10x, a 10-bagger, sometimes that's referred to. That's a 1,000% return. So 80% is, you know, that's, that's pretty good, but now all of a sudden that just looks like a base hit compared to the home run of a 1,000% of a return. So the way that you get a 10x return on an investment is you got to take an extraordinary amount of risk you can't play it safe and expect to get really great returns in investing. The same is true of our faith. If you want to see your faith grow 
And if you want to see the faith of others, if you want, let me just say this carefully, if you want to participate in seeing other people come to know Jesus, we've got to take some risk. Okay, what do I mean by that? Taking risk. You got to put yourself in some uncomfortable situations, potentially. You got to do things you might not normally do. The definition of risk is a chance of loss. Like, it could result in failure. You could end up looking dumb. You could end up sounding dumb. You've got to take risk, though. It's worth it so that people will come to know Jesus. That's the essence of what we're hearing about in this parable. If you want to see your faith grow, if you want to see the faith of others grow, we've got to take some risk, okay? So before, so, so, so that's, the, that's the essence of the parable. Before we get into that, I, I want to be clear. We're talking, about, we're talking about sharing our faith today. We're talking about taking risk, and I just want to be real clear because we spent almost all summer talking in Galatians how our good works they don't really matter if we're trying to, if we're trying to uh, earn our salvation. Don't even care about their good works. Like, don't even think about that. It's just faith in Jesus. It's just faith. It's faith in him. That's, that's how you're saved. And I want to be clear. I'm not saying that you should take risk. You should get to work, take risk, share your faith, do some crazy stuff in order to be accepted by God. That's not what I'm saying. It's actually the opposite. We are accepted by God through faith in Jesus so we get to work and we take some risk and we want to see the faith that we've experienced grow in other people. I think it was Keller that says, some people think you obey to be accepted. That's not the case. We're accepted by God, so we obey, so we get to work, so we take some risk. All right, so I just want to be clear there. I'm going to talk about the parable. It's kind of a complicated parable. There's a, a few things going on. I don't want to reread it, but I kind of want to paraphrase it to you um, real quick in case you didn't catch all of what Audrey just read. Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And once again, everybody doesn't understand what he's doing. He thinks Jesus, they all think, the disciples and the other people that are with Jesus, they think he's going to Jerusalem to establish a kingdom, and the disciples are going to be princes and rulers in this new kingdom. And they're excited because they think this is about to happen. And Jesus is trying to tell them that's not what's actually happening. I'm going to Jerusalem to die, to die on the cross. So uh, unfortunately, they don't get it. They they appear to be, you know, uh, not able to get it until maybe they see him on the cross. But he tells them this story anyways to help them try to understand. So he says, there's this nobleman. A nobleman is like a, I don't know, a successful guy or, or whatever. Uh, a successful businessman with influence in the area. And he's going off to a far country to receive a kingdom. So he's going to leave a nobleman, he's going to receive a kingdom, and he's going to come back a king. All right, so the nobleman's going off to a far country to receive a kingdom. While he goes, or, or before he goes, he gathers 10 servants, and he sits them down, and he gives them each a mina, or a mina. I don't know. I heard it pronounced both ways. I was debating this in my head. Is it mina or mina? And I ended up saying that like, mina, mina, mo. Catch a tiger by its tail. You pick, okay? I'll say mina for now. He gives them each a mina, okay? That's, that's money, that's currency. It's actually, I looked it up, $918-ish, 
Okay, that's what a website said, so we'll go with that. It's about 918 bucks that he gave them in, in, today's, in today's money, in today's dollars. Gives them, and he says, engage in business until I come back. Take this investment that I'm giving you and grow it until I come back. And then he leaves to go to this faraway country to receive this kingdom. Then Jesus said, drops this line in the parable. The citizens, which are different than the servants, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a few minutes. But the citizens of the area hated this nobleman who's turning into a king. And they sent a delegation to the kingdom of where he was going to tell him, don't give him the kingdom. We hate this guy. We don't want to be ruled by him. Okay? That's just like a little a little sub sub story there that that will that seems random but Jesus is going to pick it up at the end here in just a second. So the citizens hated him. Sent a delegation that that said don't give him the kingdom. So then Jesus continues the story. So the nobleman receives the kingdom, comes back a king, sits his servants down and says, "What did you do? How'd you do? Let, let's talk about your investments. You engaged in business. How did it how did it work out for you?" Sorry, that's got to go. So the first guy comes, he sits down and says, uh, Lord, your mina has made 10 minas more. What? Home run. A thousand percent return. I can't believe it. The king is excited. Well done, good servant, the king says to him. Because you have been faithful in a little, $918, it's not, not a huge account. It's kind of it'd be nice to have, but because you were faithful in a little, you will be faith. I will entrust ten cities to you. Whoa, crazy! From nine hundred eighteen dollars to to managing ten cities, pretty pretty great deal. So the second servant comes and says, "Lord, your mina has made five minas more. Pretty good, five hundred percent return. That's I mean, not a home run, but that's like a triple or something. I don't know. It's pretty good." So because he was faithful, he received five cities to manage, that second servant. And then the third servant comes. He says, Lord, here is your mina. Here is your money that you entrusted with me. I hid it in this napkin or a handkerchief, I think they say. And then he says, I knew you'd be a tough boss. I was afraid of you. I know that you're severe. You reap where you do not sow, and I don't want to lose it. And the king says, are you kidding me? I'm going to condemn you with your own words. It's like the king says, oh, I was a tough boss, huh? I'm a severe boss. Then why didn't you take it to the bank and at least give me some interest on that money? You are a wicked servant. Okay, so we got faithful and we got a wicked servant. And then, and then the king says, take the money from him and give it to the one with 10. And everybody grumbles and says, what? That guy already has 10. And then the king says, those who have, uh, those who have a lot are going to get more. Those who have very little, even what they have are going to be taken from them. And then the last thing in this parable, hopefully you're still with me, is he talks about those citizens that said they hated the king. He says, and as for those enemies of mine, they went from citizens to enemies. As for those enemies of mine, bring them here in front of me and slaughter them. The end. <laughs> what? There's a lot, okay, so there's a lot going on in this parable. The essence of the parable, though, is we've got to take risk in order to serve the king, okay? Don't stress about all the stuff we've got going on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help us figure this out. I made a graphic. It's not great, okay? It's not great. I never use graphics, but I made one. 
Let's put that one up, and we're going to start. I'm going to try to break this down for you to, to, to help us understand what's going on. I bet you it's not going to work because that's just how it, it happens sometimes around here. There's three, there's three different groups that we're going to look at, okay? There's the, there's the servants and the citizens that we're going to talk about. There's the two types of servants, the faithful and the wicked, and then the last group are the two types of faithful servants, the ones that got 10x return and the ones that got a 5x return, all right? That's how we're going to break down this parable. Hey, all right, listen, you, if you could see this, <laughs> this is what you would see. <laughs> it's kind of small. Did you ever read those books, the Choose Your Own Adventure book, when you were a kid? Okay, this is what we're doing. We're choosing our own adventure here, all right? I had never read one of these, but as I was trying to figure this out, I realized, oh, this is like those books. So I bought one for my daughter, and we've been reading it. It has 40 different outcomes, okay? You get to choose what the story is, like, do you want the little girl to go into the forest or go to the castle? And then you skip to the page, and then you read that. That's what we're doing here, okay? We don't have 40 possible outcomes. We have four possible outcomes as we, as we walk through this. Uh, the first, first outcome is a citizen. If you could see the smiley face, it's a dead guy smiley face. He has X's for eyes. Doesn't work out great for the citizens. Hey, look at that. Okay, so that's, that's, that's one outcome. The next outcome, Wyatt, cruise to the next one. The next outcome is, a, is the wicked servant. Dope. That's the unsure smiley face, okay? So we're not so sure about the wicked servant. I'm not sure how, how things work out for him. And then the final, the final group that we're going to talk about are the, the two faithful servants. They're both pretty stoked, okay? One seems to be a little happier, but they both are doing great on their investments, so we're going to talk about them last. So let's, let's talk about the first two groups. See if you can cruise back to the servants and the citizens. So first of all, with the parable, the nobleman turning king. Who is that? Anybody? Jesus. This is Jesus. This is, this is him. The, the story is about him. He's going away to a faraway country. He's going to heaven to receive a kingdom from God the Father. Okay, and he will come back as a king. All right, so, so the nobleman is Jesus. The mina is our faith. The mina, the investment that God gives us, is our faith. It's the gospel. It's the Holy Spirit that comes and lives inside of us. All right, just so we're all on the same page. Now let's talk about the two groups of people. So these first ones, the servants and the citizens. Who are the citizens? The citizens represent the, Jew, uh, the Jewish people. They would not submit to the rule and reign of Jesus. They hated Jesus. In fact, as they were crucifying Jesus, Pilate, if you know the story, put a sign above the cross that said, King of the Jews, and they were like irate. Like, don't put that sign up there. He's not the king of the Jews. Put that he claims to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate's like, no, nah, we're going to leave it up there. It's going to be king of the Jews. And then after Jesus dies, after he's buried, after he's resurrected, and after he ascends into heaven to go to the faraway country to, to receive for himself a kingdom, the Jews continue to go after Christians and try to kill them and try to destroy any semblance of the gospel and faith in Jesus Christ, and they inadvertently spread it to the entire world. Okay, And it spreads like wildfire. 
So that's the citizens, okay? Citizens do not submit to the rule and reign of Jesus. This is the, the first decision we got to make today, the first decision you've got to make today. But it's not just being antagonistic towards the gospel. It's also being skeptical towards the gospel. It's also being cynical towards the gospel. It's also being agnostic. Do you know what agnostic means? It's like you just don't care. I don't care. I've never looked into it. I don't know who Jesus is. I haven't, I haven't looked into it. Sounds crazy, but I don't have any idea. If you're agnostic, you are not submitting to the rule and reign of Jesus. The servants did. Okay, so the servants represent Christians who have submitted their lives to the rule and reign of Jesus. They're the ones that are obeying what the king says. They're the ones that say, I'm not my own. I was bought with a price, like it says in scripture. So of those two, citizens versus servants, which is the more risky position? Is it, is it more risky to be skeptical and cynical and just poke holes in everybody else's argument? Or is it more risky to say, I'm a Christian, I'm a servant of King Jesus, and I want to be ruled and reigned by him? I would argue it's more of a risk to say and to believe in Jesus. I, uh, I used to work for the Coast Guard. I, would, I was with them for nine years, and I spent some time in Virginia several years ago, and I was in this room with a bunch of guys, uh, and it came out that I was a Christian. I th- they saw a Bible or saw me go to church. I forget what the, what the situation was, but I was not trying to preach to anybody. I was trying to lay low. I did not want this fight. But they find out, and they had like a field day. Oh, Tim is a Christian. Nice. And some guy starts quoting scripture. Oh, yeah, you believe that book that says slaves should obey their masters. Oh, okay, so you're pro-slavery. That makes a ton of sense, Tim, doesn't it? And then another guy jumps in. Yeah, oh, and that book also hates gay people too, doesn't it? Yeah, this makes a lot of sense. And it was like round robin. Everybody was taking shots at me, and I'm, you know, I... I didn't want the fight. I'm trying to like, well, hold on a second. Like, well, not exactly, you know, like not doing any, any good whatsoever. And so they just tee off on me. And eventually it comes to an end and they give up or they don't give up, but they, they get tired of beating me up and what I believe. And I, I didn't have much of a response other than I said, yeah, what do you guys believe? And it got real quiet. And no, nobody had much to say other than some grumblings. Well, lots of stuff, you know. One guy says, uh, I believe in Luke Skywalker, <laughs> which was kind of funny, partly because I don't think he was joking. He really liked Star Wars. So I think, I think he might have actually believed in Luke Skywalker. It is a risk just to, to say you're a Christian Back in the day, I don't know how long, 50 years ago or something, being a Christian used to, used to garner you some respect. Like, oh, you're a Christian? You must be a person of integrity. You must be a person of good character. Is that the direction we're going now? Nope. Culture is growing increasingly more hostile to Christians. Oh, you're a Christian. Oh, so you believe that book. Being a Christian, being a servant... Being ruled and reigned by King Jesus, 
may actually cost us something now. We're not getting persecuted like the disciples were. We got a ways to go before we're there, but it may cost us something now. And you've got to think about this. Are you a citizen? Are you skeptical? Are you cynical? Do you even care? Or are you willing to take some risk and say, I am a Christian? Like, it could cost you a friend. It could cost you a boyfriend or a girlfriend, a job, a client. It could cost your reputation. This is the first decision that you've got to make. Should I be a servant? Should I take the risk? Should I be a servant of Jesus and be ruled and reigned by him? Okay, hopefully you choose servant because citizens, it doesn't work out well for them, as you can see with the smiley face. Let's go to the next one. So if you're a servant, then we move to the next, the next two um, group of two. The faithful servant and the wicked servant. Dang it, I was going to look at what time I started because I don't have a watch on. Like we're good. Okay, faithful servant and wicked servant. The faithful servants in the story, what are those guys doing? Killing it. Getting after it. Get, getting to work. Just like, a, just like a business owner would get to work. They're, they're taking risk. They're hustling and they're trying to get it done. They're trying to grow their investment. All right, they're, they're working hard and they're doing a great job. That's the faithful servants. What about the wicked servant? I read a, a, a sermon from Spurgeon, from Charles Spurgeon. He's from the 1800s. He's pretty pretty awesome guy. But he, he writes something like, what, what about the wicked servant? What's up with this guy? He's blaming the king for his laziness, saying, oh, it's your fault. You're mean. I, I didn't want to do anything, so I kept it in here. The king calls him out and says, no, what, I'm going to condemn you by your own words. You're wicked. You're lazy. Who are the wicked servants? When Jesus comes to ask us what we've done with Armina, what are we going to say? What are we going to say? Where is it? He's going to ask us. Where is the Mina? Are we going to stand there with our hands in our pockets? Like, ah, uh, good question, Jesus. Is it in the pocket? Is it in our pocket? Is it in our handkerchief? The handkerchief that we probably should have been using to wipe the sweat off our brow because we were working so hard to see the investment that God gave us grow, to see our faith grow and the faith of others grow? Do you know who the wicked servants are? Do you know what kind of person these people are? They're like me. <laughs> like me. Like us. I have been standing around with my hands in my pockets for so long, I can't even tell you guys. Watching everybody else do ministry around me, doing the hard work, getting after it, risking it all. To see the gospel shared and spread in our community. That's the only reason I'm standing up here is because I got just sick of watching it. Like, oh my gosh, I got I to gotta, I gotta join in to the ministry. I want to I be a part of this. I want to I get to work. Can you look at your own life and find where maybe, possibly, definitely, you've been a wicked servant? And maybe you haven't done as much as you should be doing. Maybe you haven't taken much risk at all. We need to evaluate what areas of our life that we have been wicked servants. 
It doesn't say in the parable, but part of being a faithful servant of Jesus is admitting that we're wicked servants and that we're lazy and we don't want to take the risk. It's too hard. So if you can, if you can stomach that, if you can admit, yep, there's some areas in my life to some extent I am a wicked servant, then what do we do? What's the first step? We got to repent. We got to repent of that. We see areas that we've messed up in our life and we know what to do, right? If you believe the gospel, you know where to, to, to lay that sin. You lay it at the foot of the cross and you let the, the grace and the mercy of Jesus come and wash over you. Come and wash over that, that shame and that guilt that I just created by insinuating that you all are wicked servants. Let this, the grace and the mercy of Jesus come and wash over that, okay? Get, be done with that. We repent, we ask for Jesus' forgiveness, and then we remember that he offers it to us. He gives us that, that righteousness free of charge. It doesn't cost us anything. We don't have to take much risk. It's not much of a risk. After you've believed, after you've experienced the gospel, and you've, you've experienced the love and the joy and the peace, it's easy. It's not risky at all to believe again. So we repent of that. And then we do things differently. What do we do? Where do, where, do we, where do we go? At Outward, we've got this little, this little phrase that we, um, that we came up with a few years ago. Love Jesus, live Outward. Okay? This is how we roll at Outward Silverton. Love Jesus first and foremost. That's the most important thing that we can preach to you. It's the gospel. You've got to love it. And there's three bullet points under love Jesus. It's, it's his, uh, his story. We've got to know his story. We've got to hear his story. That's the gospel. His story, his rule, and his reign over our lives and his people. We got to engage with his people. Okay, so we love Jesus by doing those things. And after you're, you're, you're hearing his story, after you, you're submitting to the rule and reign of Jesus in your life, after you're working it out with people uh, of the church or, or other Christians, what happens? Like something starts to grow. Something starts to, something starts to happen inside of you. You start to get excited. You start to get some enthusiasm. Like the fire starts to get a little, little hotter, a little, a little, a little bigger inside of you and and passion starts to grow and you just want to unleash it on a community my oldest brother one time side note my oldest brother one time his name is brad he's the most intense guy you've ever met but he went to a job interview and i guess he said the guy says why should we give you this job and he says i am a stick of dynamite it's just where to direct the blast (laughs) i said you told him that you told them you were going to blow up their business and they hired you? I don't know who's dumber. I, I don't know that we should be a stick of dynamite, but do you get my drift? Like the passion, it, we shouldn't be, be doing things because we should do them. We should be listening to the gospel, believing the gospel, being washed over again with that grace and that mercy of Jesus Christ and we let that passion kind of bubble up and then we explode onto a community and let them know why we love Jesus. Let them know that we are servants of the King, King Jesus. Oh boy. Though the storms may come and the winds may blow, we're gonna remain steadfast. Okay, love Jesus and live outward. I gotta keep going. Uh, Live outward. The love of Jesus should compel us to live outward. What, isn't that a verse? I think 2 Corinthians 
the love of Christ compels us. This is, this is what it is. We're compelled to live outward. What does it mean to live outward? We give, we serve, we speak, okay? We give, we're generous with our money. We serve anywhere and everywhere we can to help, to help the ministry or to help neighbors or to whatever we can do to help people. And then I think mostly what this passage is talking about, it's talking about speaking up. It's talking about sharing the gospel with people you know. Who are the people? What are the people? Where do I go? What do we do? Just like a business owner needs to think about a risk before they, before they buy a piece of equipment or buy a property or hire somebody, just they need to like do the math, like how much is this going to cost me and how much is my business going to expand? Like They have to put some thought into it before they take a risk and try to expand their business. We need to put some thought into how we're going to grow the investment that God has given us, don't we? So if one mina is one person, the guy got 10x, that's 10 people, who are your 10? Who are the 10 people in your life that you want to share Christ with or that you want to encourage in their faith? I heard this the other day. It was kind of helpful. It's your locate. This is from Brian Howard. Location, your vocation, and your recreation. Who are the people in those spheres? Who are the people you live near? Who are the people you work with? Who are the people you're just hanging out with having a good time? Those are, the, those are the areas that we should be picking from. These are, the, these are the people that are near us. These are the people that potentially we could influence. And probably your spouse and your kids should be on the top of the list. Usually doesn't work well. I, we've seen, I've seen this when your, your family gets pushed aside and ministry becomes, you know, other people's faith becomes more important. It doesn't go well. So, so spouse and kids are on that list, people that you're around. Who are the 10? Put some money aside every month to bless those people. Help them with a car repair. Help them with an unexpected expense. Take them out to dinner. Not to manipulate anybody. Not to try to push Jesus on them. By the way, we can't convince people to become Christians. Did you know that? The Father draws us to himself. So all we're doing is participating in the work that the Father is doing. Put some money aside, put a list down of 10 people, pray over that list and say, God, give me some opportunities to encourage these people, to tell them how great the faith is that I've experienced, and to see possibly them come to know Jesus, okay? That's that's what faithful servants do. We gotta take risk. And doing that, bringing that up is, is tough. It can be awkward. It may end in failure. You may be ridiculed. So what? The risk is worth, I mean, the, the, the reward is worth the risk. Take some risk and do that. Let's move on. So if we're faithful servants, what's going to happen? We've got two sets of returns. One guy got 5X, one, I don't know if it's a guy actually. One servant got 5X, one servant got 10X. What's the difference? Does it matter? Does it matter? Did you hear in the story that the servants say, your mina made 10 minas more? The guy doesn't take credit for it. He says, it's your mina that made more minas. It's not us. We don't do anything. All we're called to do is take some risk, to get out there, to try to proclaim the name of Jesus to people, maybe to be generous, but it's, but it's God that does the, the heavy lifting. Does the king in the story need the minas? 
It was he like looking for, I could use a couple extra minas around. He's in charge of 10 cities, five city, cities. This is the king. He has endless resources. He didn't need the money. Do you know what it was? It's a test. Will the servants be loyal or not? I'm going to give them a little bit. Let's see how they act. Will, will you be loyal to the king? That's what this story is about. Will you take risk in your life to see the gospel shared and spread in the community? Let's do it. And then we rest, right? We, we do the work and then we rest because it's not up to us. The results, they really don't matter. But for some of us, the results do matter. <laughs> and they shouldn't, maybe. Some of us, we're, we're doing the work and we're looking to hit a home run. We really want to hit a home run. We're, we're focused on like, oh, I want people to come to know Jesus. And if nobody's coming to Jesus, I feel like a failure. Like we are we are honed in on the results, the returns, too much. It is a problem. The results are up to God. It is, it is in his hands. It is not up to us. Whether we hit a home run or whether we hit a base hit, it doesn't matter. What matters is that we take the risk that we stand in front of somebody and tell them about Jesus. The results often can, can plague us. The, the overemphasis on the results can plague us. And it can, can puff us up. If things are going really well, we think we're pretty amazing. Or they can tear us down and we're devastated if things aren't going well. In that case, if that's happening, if that's you, we got too much emphasis on the results of being servants. And we're not focused enough on the one we're serving. We need to be focused on the king, not on our work for the king, although we are called to work. So this is this funny, like, thing that we've got to do, we've got to work with. We've got to think about the, the greatest king of all time. He's the greatest servant of all time. He is the faithful servant, faithful to his father, God the father, doing his will. He risked everything. Jesus took the risk on himself so that we could be spared from the wrath of God. It costs us nothing, our faith. It costs him everything. In this story, the king slaughters his enemies. What does Jesus do? He is slaughtered for his enemies. Isn't that nuts? He went to the cross for those of us that have been agnostic, that haven't cared, that have been skeptical, cynical, for those of us that, that have been lazy and wicked, or for those of us that are overly, like, overly focused on the results of our work. Jesus went to the cross and he paid for all of that. I want you guys to know, I have proof that taking risk can result in incredible returns. You are sitting in a risk of risks. I don't know if you realize that. My brother Matt, God bless him. After our family, my dad was a pastor and our family fell apart. And Matt took a risk and he said, this is part of his story. He says, if you want me, God, come and get me. I'd say God got him. 
got him good. <laughs> and he starts a, a youth ministry, and he starts, he planted outward in Salem. Can I just tell you, it was borderline foolishness how that, that church was started. We planted a church, or I wasn't, I was actually who he planted the church for at the time. But like, we planted a church, I'd love to do this. He, he drives him nuts. In the middle of the summer, for a bunch of college kids that were gone for the summer, okay? He signed a $60,000 lease. We rented the Grand Theater uh, down, down in Salem. Do you know much, how much we had in the bank? <laughs> Goose egg, right here. He signed a $60,000 lease. By all accounts, if you read a church planning book, we did absolutely everything wrong in starting that church. But who cares? We did it for the gospel. We, Matt did it for the gospel. He took some incredible amount of risk, and God blessed it unbelievably. God doesn't bless all of those risks. Just to be clear, there's plenty of churches that don't succeed. Why did that one succeed? I don't know. Who cares? The results don't matter. It worked. And so many lives have been changed. So many people have come to know Jesus. So many of us have had, have had new faith as a result of that church. I sat in a meeting the other day with 14, it was an elder meeting where we had 14 guys all together. Every one of them were like a stick of dynamite ready to direct the blast somewhere. Like, what area of ministry do you want? Where do you want me to go? Like, this is the attitude that they, that they had. This is the church. Okay, so that was actually that church. And then we planted this church, also borderline foolishness. We don't have a lot of money in the bank. You gotta know, we are not a risk-averse church. Okay, we, 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 we got lots of ideas, not very much money, okay? So ideally, you wait for a year, you get everybody excited, you work on all the details, you save up a bunch of money in case people don't give, and then you plant. But we were like, ah, let's just do it and see what happens. So we planted the church. The dolls were kind enough to, to let us use the barn. This was, this was crazy in June 6th. And look at it. God apparently is blessing it. Like, this is amazing. This is incredible that this, is, that this has happened. And, and lives are changing. People are getting excited. We love it. You're sitting in the proof that taking risk results in incredible returns for the gospel. We have incredible 10 Xers here at Outward Silverton as well. Brandon's one. Brand, the church would never have been started. If you don't know Brandon, you should meet him. The, the church, all the details that had to be figured out in order to get this church off the ground, the operations, in addition to, I don't, how many clients do you have? Like 50 different counseling, not really 50, but like 10 different counseling uh, clients that, that he meets with. He's awesome. But now he, did you accept that executive position? <laughs> Is this a bad time to, to ask you this? He, we're trying to get him to take on the executive pastor role of Outward, okay, of, of both locations, all right? So we're trying to get him into a, a larger, bigger role because he's so awesome. So now we need another couple to handle the operations of Outward Silverton. Where are we going to find another 10X couple to do it? Oh, the Rognesses. Oh, you thought you were going to get out of this. Jesse and Audrey, who started the community group across the street, if you don't know about them, that grew so big that we had to plant a church next to their house. 
Jesse and Audrey are awesome and doing incredible work. Desra hits. If you don't know Desra, you probably know someone who was invited by Desra. She single-handedly recruited like half of you. No joke. <laughs> Only Des got a clap. <laughs> oh, we've got so many great people that are doing so much great work. We've got people leading community groups that have never led a community group before right now. We've got three of them that we just started. Do you know how terrifying leading a community group is? It's way worse than standing up here and talking because nobody gets to ask me any hard questions. I just talk and talk and talk. In a community group, you actually have to feel the conversation. It actually goes back and forth. And you actually have to have some answers for people. We've got people leading community groups. Like we got incredible people. Incredible things are happening I just wanted to tell you that, like, these are risks that people are taking. I'm, gonna, I'm supposed to lead a community group? Are you kidding me? Like, okay. Like, the only reason you would say okay to that is if the love of Jesus is stirring inside of you and you just want to unleash it on anybody, on everybody that you come into contact with. This church is awesome. I just want you to know. We're, we're excited, if you can't tell. I'm excited. <laughs> And we love that you guys are a part of it, okay? Let's invite communion. Um, come forward, the ushers, I guess, to come forward. And do-